Section thirty nine of the Life of Samuel Johnson, Volume two by James Boswell. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. To Bennet Langton, Esquire, at Langton, near Spilsby, Lincolnshire. Dear Sir, you have reason to reproach me that I have left your last letter so long unanswered, but I had nothing particular to say. Chambers, you find, is gone far, and poor Goldsmith is gone much further. He died of a fever, exasperated, as I believe, by the fear of distress. He had raised money and squandered it, by every artifice of acquisition and folly of expense. But let not his frailties be remembered. He was a very great man. Footnote soon after goldsmith's death certain persons dining with sir joshua commented rather freely on some part of his works which in their opinion neither discovered talent nor originality to this dr johnson listened in his usual growling manner when at length his patience being exhausted he rose with great dignity looked them full in the face and exclaimed if nobody was suffered to abuse poor Goldie but those who could write as well, he would have few censors. Northcote's Reynolds. To Goldsmith might be applied the words that Johnson wrote of Savage, works volume 8, page 191. Vanity may surely be readily pardoned in him to whom life afforded no other comforts than barren praises and the consciousness of deserving them those are no proper judges of his conduct who have slumbered away their time on the down of plenty nor will any wise man presume to say had i been in savage's condition i should have lived or written better than savage End of footnote. i had just begun to print my journey to the hebrides and am leaving the press to take another journey into wales whither Mr. Thrale is going to take possession of at least five hundred a year, fallen to his lady. All at Streatham that are alive are well. Footnote. Mrs. Thrale's mother died the summer before. Most of her children died early. By 1777 she had lost seven out of eleven. End of footnote. I have never recovered from the last dreadful illness footnote johnson had not seen langton since early in the summer of seventeen seventy three he was then suffering from a fever and an inflammation in the eye for which he was twice copiously bled the following winter he was distressed by a cough neither of these illnesses was severe enough to be called dreadful in the spring of seventeen seventy he was very ill on September the 18th, 1771, he records, For the last year I have been slowly recovering from the violence of my last illness. On April the 18th, 1772, in reviewing the last year, he writes, An unpleasing incident is almost certain to hinder my rest. This is the remainder of my last illness. In the winter of 1772-3, he suffered from a cough. I think that he must mean the illness of 1770, though it is to be noticed that he wrote to Boswell on July the 5th, 1773, except this eye, in square brackets the inflamed eye, 
I am very well. End of footnote. I have never recovered from the last dreadful illness, but flatter myself that I grow gradually better. Much, however, yet remains to mend. Kyrie eleison. Footnote, Lord, have mercy upon us. End of footnote. If you have the Latin version of Busy, Curious, Thirsty Fly, footnote, see Johnson's Works, volume 1, page 172, for his Latin version. Disraeli, Curiosities of Literature, says that Aldis always asserted that he was the author of this song, and as he was a rigid lover of truth, I doubt not that he wrote it. I have traced it through a dozen of collections since the year 1740, the first in which I find it, end of footnote. If you have the Latin version of Busy, Curious, Thirsty Fly, be so kind as to transcribe and send it. But you need not be in haste, for I shall be I know not where for at least five weeks. I wrote the following tetestrict on poor Goldsmith. Ton tafon esoraston olibario yo, coinen afrasi mersemnem xena podesi pate. Oisimemer lipusis metron caris erga palaion clayeta poetem historicon pusicon. Footnote. Mr. Seward, Anecdotes, gives the following version of these lines. Whoe'er thou art, with reverence tread where goldsmith's lettered dust is laid, if nature and the historic page of the sweet muse thy care engage, lament him dead, whose powerful mind their various energies combined. End footnote. Please to make my most respectful compliments to all the ladies, and remember me to young George and his sisters. I reckon George begins to show a pair of heels. Do not be sullen now, but let me find a letter when I come back. I am, dear sir, your affectionate humble servant, Samuel Johnson, July the 5th, 1774. To Mr. Robert Levitt. Chloeni in Denbyshire, August the 16th, 1774, footnote. At Chloeni, the house of Mrs. Thrale's cousin, Mr. Cotton, Dr. Johnson stayed nearly three weeks. Johnson's journey into North Wales, July the 28th, 1774. Mr. Fitzmaurice, Lord Shelburne's brother, had a house there in 1780, for Johnson wrote to Mrs. Thrale on May the 7th of that year, he has almost made me promise to pass part of the summer at Lawenny. Piazzi letters, end of footnote. Dear sir, Mr. Thrale's affairs have kept him here a great while, nor do I know exactly when we shall come hence. I have sent you a bill upon Mr. Strawn. I have made nothing of the Ipecacuana, but have taken abundance of the pills, and hope that they have done me good. Well, so far as I have yet seen of it, is a very beautiful and rich country, all enclosed and planted. Denby is not a mean town. Make my compliments to all my friends, and tell Frank I hope he remembers my advice. When his money is out, let him have more. 
I am, sir, your humble servant, Samuel Johnson. Mr. Boswell to Dr. Johnson, Edinburgh, August the 30th, 1774. You have given me an inscription for a portrait of Mary, Queen of Scots, in which you, in a short and striking manner, point out her hard fate. But you will be pleased to keep in mind that my picture is a representation of a particular scene in her history, her being forced to resign her crown while she was imprisoned in the castle of Loglian. I must therefore beg that you will be kind enough to give me an inscription suited to that particular scene, or determine which of the two formerly transmitted to you is the best, and at any rate favour me with an English translation. It will be doubly kind if you comply with my request speedily. Your critical notes on the specimen of Lord Hales's Annals of Scotland are excellent. I agreed with you in every one of them. He himself objected only to the alteration of free to brave in the passage where he says that Edward departed with the glory due to the conqueror of a free people. He says to call the Scots brave would only add to the glory of their conqueror. You will make allowance for the national zeal of our analyst. I now send you a few more leaves of the annals, which I hope you will peruse and return with observations, as you did upon the former occasion. Lord Hales writes to me thus. Mr. Boswell will be pleased to express the grateful sense which Sir David Dalrymple has of Dr. Johnson's attention to his little specimen. The further specimen will show that even in an Edward he can see desert. Footnote. Lord Hales was Sir David Dalrymple. He is not to be confounded with Sir John Dalrymple. E'en in a bishop I can spy desert. Seeker is decent. Rundell has a heart. Pope's Epilogue to the Satires, Book 2, Line 70, End footnote. It gives me much pleasure to hear that a republication of Isaac Walton's Lives is intended. You have been in a mistake in thinking that Lord Hales had it in view. I remember one morning, while he sat with you in my house, he said that there should be a new edition of Walton's Lives, and you said that they should be benoted a little. Footnote. In the first two editions, forenoon. Boswell, in three other passages, made the same change in the third edition. Forenoon, perhaps, he considered a Scotticism. The correction above, being made in one of his letters, renders it likely that he corrected them before publication. End footnote. This was all that passed on that subject. You must therefore inform Dr. Horne that he may resume his plan. I enclose a note concerning it. If Dr. Horne will write to me, all the attention that I can give shall be cheerfully bestowed upon what I think a pious work, the preservation and elucidation of Walton, by whose writings I have been most pleasingly edified. Mr. Boswell to Dr. Johnson, Edinburgh, September the 16th, 1774. Wales has probably detained you longer than I supposed. 
you will have become quite a mountaineer by visiting Scotland one year and Wales another. You must next go to Switzerland. Cambria will complain if you do not honour her also with some remarks, and I find, concessere columnae, the booksellers expect another book. Footnote. Horace, Ars Poetica, line 373, and a footnote. I am impatient to see your tour to Scotland and the Hebrides. Might you not send me a copy by the post as soon as it is printed off? Footnote. Do you not long to hear the roarings of the old lion over the bleak mountains of the north? wrote Stevens to Garrick. Garrick correspondence, end of footnote. To James Boswell, Esquire, dear sir, Yesterday I returned from my Welch journey. I was sorry to leave my book suspended so long, but having an opportunity of seeing with so much convenience a new part of the island, I could not reject it. I have been in five of the six counties of North Wales, and have seen Sir Massaf and Bangor, the two seats of their bishops, have been upon Penmine Mower and Snowdon, and passed over into Anglesey. Footnote. August the 16th. We came to Penmine Mower by daylight, and found a way lately made very easy and very safe. It was cut smooth, and enclosed between parallel walls, the outer of which secures the passenger from the precipice, which is deep and dreadful. The sea beats at the bottom of the way. At evening the moon shone eminently bright, and our thoughts of danger being now past, the rest of our journey was very pleasant. At an hour somewhat late we came to Bangor, where we found a very mean inn, and had some difficulty to obtain lodging. I lay in a room where the other bed had two men. Johnson's journey into North Wales. He did not go to the top of Snowdon, he says, on the side of Snowdon are the remains of a large fort, to which we climbed with great labour. I was breathless and harassed. Ibid, August the 26th, end of footnote. But Wales is so little different from England, that it offers nothing to the speculation of the traveller. When I came home, I found several of your papers, with some pages of Lord Hales's annals, which I will consider, I am in haste to give you some account of myself, lest you should suspect me of negligence in the pressing business which I find recommended to my care, and which I knew nothing of till now, when all care is vain. Footnote. I had written to him to request his interposition in behalf of a convict who I thought was very unjustly condemned. Boswell. End of footnote. In the distribution of my books, I purpose to follow your advice, adding such as shall occur to me. I am not pleased with your notes of remembrance added to your names, for I hope I shall not easily forget them. I have received four earth books without any direction, and suspect that they are intended for the Oxford Library. If that is the intention, I think it will be proper to add the metrical psalms and whatever else is printed in Nurse, that the present may be complete. The donor's name shall be told. I wish you could have read the book before it was printed, but our distance does not easily permit it. 
I'm sorry Lord Hales does not intend to publish Walton. I'm afraid it will not be done so well, if it be done at all. I purpose now to drive the book forward. Make my compliments to Mrs. Boswell, and let me hear often from you. I am, dear sir, your affectionate humble servant, Samuel Johnson, London, October the 1st, 1774. This tour to Wales, which was made in company with Mr. and Mrs. Thrale, though it no doubt contributed to his health and amusement, did not give an occasion to such a discursive exercise of his mind as our tour to the Hebrides. I do not find that he kept any journal or notes of what he saw there. Footnote. He had kept a journal, which was edited by Mr. Dupper in 1816. It will be found post in Volume 5. End of footnote. All that I heard him say of it was that, instead of bleak and barren mountains, there were green and fertile ones, and that one of the castles in Wales would contain all the castles that he had seen in Scotland. Parliament having been dissolved, footnote, when the general election broke up the delightful society in which we had spent some time at Beaconsfield, Dr. Johnson shook the hospitable master of the house, in square brackets, Burke, kindly by the hand, and said, Farewell, my dear sir, and remember that I wish you all the success which ought to be wished you, which can possibly be wished you indeed by an honest man. Piozzi's Anecdotes The dissolution was on September the 30th. Johnson, with the Thrales, as his journal shows, had arrived at Beaconsfield on the 24th. See Ante, Volume 2, page 222, for Johnson's opinion of Burke's honesty. End of footnote. Parliament having been dissolved, and his friend Mr. Thrale, who was a steady supporter of government, having again to encounter the storm of a contested election, he wrote a short political pamphlet entitled The Patriot, addressed to the electors of Great Britain. The title which to factious men who consider a patriot only as an opposer of the measures of government will appear strangely misapplied. It was, however, written with energetic vivacity, and, except those passages in which it endeavours to vindicate the glaring outrage of the House of Commons in the case of the Middlesex election, and to justify the attempt to reduce our fellow subjects in America to unconditional submission, it contained an admirable display of the properties of a real patriot in the original and genuine sense a sincere, steady, rational, and unbiased friend to the interests and prosperity of his king and country. It must be acknowledged, however, that both in this and in his two former pamphlets there was, amidst many powerful arguments, not only a considerable portion of sophistry, but a contemptuous ridicule of his opponents, which was very provoking. To Mr. Perkins. Footnote. Mr. Perkins was, for a number of years, the worthy superintendent of Mr. Thrale's great brewery, and after his death became one of the proprietors of it, and now resides in Mr. Thrale's house in Southwark, which was the scene of so many literary meetings, 
and in which he continues the liberal hospitality for which it was eminent. Dr. Johnson esteemed him much. He hung up in the counting-house a fine proof of the admirable mezzotinto of Dr. Johnson by Doughty, and when Mrs. Thrale asked him somewhat flippantly, why do you put him up in the counting-house? He answered, because, madam, I wish to have one wise man there. Sir, said Johnson, I thank you. It is a very handsome compliment, and I believe you speak sincerely. Passons. End of footnote. To Mr. Perkins, sir, you may do me a very great favour. Mrs. Williams, a gentlewoman whom you may have seen at Mr. Thrale's, is a petitioner for Mr. Hetherington's charity. Petitions are this day issued at Christ's Hospital. I am a bad manager of business in a crowd, and if I should send a mean man, he may be put away without his errand. I must therefore entreat that you will go and ask for a petition for Anna Williams, whose paper of inquiries was delivered with answers at the counting-house of the hospital on Thursday the 20th. My servant will attend you thither, and bring the petition home when you have it. The petition which they are to give us is a form which they deliver to every petitioner, and which the petitioner is afterwards to fill up and return to them again. This we must have, or we cannot proceed according to their directions. You need, I believe, only ask for a petition. If they inquire for whom you ask, you can tell them. I beg pardon for giving you this trouble, but it is a matter of great importance. I am, sir, your most humble servant, Samuel Johnson, October the 25th, 1774. To James Boswell, Esquire, dear sir, there has appeared lately in the papers an account of a boat overset between Mull and Ulva, in which many passengers were lost, and among them Maclean of Col. We, you know, were once drowned, Footnote. in the newspapers, Boswell, end of footnote. I hope, therefore, that the story is either wantonly or erroneously told. Pray satisfy me by the next post. I have printed 240 pages. I am able to do nothing much worth doing to dear Lord Hales's book. I will, however, send back the sheets, and hope by degrees to answer all your reasonable expectations. Mr. Thrale has, happily, surmounted a very violent and acrimonious opposition. Footnote. October the 16th, 1774. In Southwark there has been outrageous rioting, but I neither know the candidates, their connections, nor success. Horace Walpole's letters. Of one Southwark election, Mrs. Piozzi writes anecdotes. Borough election once showed me Mr. Johnson's toleration of boisterous mirth. A rough fellow, a hatter by trade, seeing his beaver in a state of decay, seized it suddenly with one hand, and clapping him on the back with the other, Ah, Master Johnson, says he, this is no time to be thinking about hats. No, no, sir, replies our doctor in a cheerful tone, Hats are of no use now, as you say, except to throw up in the air and huzzah with. 
accompanying his words with the true election halloo. End of footnote. Mr. Thrale has happily surmounted a very violent and acrimonious opposition. But all joys have their abatement. Mrs. Thrale has fallen from her horse and hurt herself very much. The rest of our friends, I believe, are well. My compliments to Mrs. Boswell. I am, sir, your most affectionate servant, Samuel Johnson, London, October twenty-seventh, 1774. This letter, which shows his tender concern for an amiable young gentleman to whom he had been very much obliged in the Hebrides, I have inserted according to its date, though before receiving it I had informed him of the melancholy event that the young laird of Cole was unfortunately drowned. End of footnote. See Boswell's Hebrides, October the 19th, 1773. Johnson thus mentions him, Works, volume 9, page 142. Here we had the last embrace of this amiable man, who, while these pages were preparing to attest his virtues, perished in the passage between Ulver and Inch Kenneth. End of footnote. To James Boswell, Esquire, dear sir, last night I corrected the last page of our journey to the Hebrides. The printer has detained it all this time, for I had, before I went into Wales, written all except two sheets. The Patriot was called for by my political friends on Friday, was written on Saturday, and I have heard little of it. So vague are conjectures at a distance. Footnote. Alluding to a passage in a letter of mine, where, speaking of his journey to the Hebrides, I say, but has not the Patriot been an interruption by the time taken to write it, and the time luxuriously spent in listening to its applauses. Boswell, end of footnote. As soon as I can, I will take care that copies be sent to you, for I would wish that they might be given before they are bought. But I am afraid that Mr. Storm will send to you and to the booksellers at the same time. Trade is as diligent as courtesy. I have mentioned all that you recommended. Pray make my compliments to Mrs. Boswell and the younglings. The club has, I think, not yet met. Tell me, and tell me honestly, what you think, and what others say of our travels. Shall we touch the continent? Footnote. We had projected a voyage together up the Baltic, and talked of visiting some of the more northern regions. Boswell. See Boswell's Hebrides, September the 16th, end of footnote. I am, dear sir, your most humble servant, Samuel Johnson, November the 26th, 1774. In his manuscript diary of this year, there is the following entry. November the 27th, Advent Sunday. I considered that this day, being the beginning of the ecclesiastical year, was a proper time for a new course of life. I began to read the Greek Testament regularly at 160 verses every Sunday. This day I began the Acts. In this week I read Virgil's Pastorals. I learned to repeat the Polio and Gallus. I read carelessly the first Georgic. 
such evidences of his unceasing ardour both for divine and human law when advanced into his sixty-fifth year and notwithstanding his many disturbances from disease must make us at once honour his spirit and lament that it should be so grievously clogged by its material tegument it is remarkable that he was very fond of the precision which calculation produces thus we find in one of his manuscript diaries twelve pages in quarto greek testament and thirty pages in Beza's folio comprise the whole in forty days dr johnson to john Hoole, esquire footnote john Hoole, the son of a london watchmaker was born in december seventeen twenty seven and died on august second eighteen hundred and three at the age of seventeen he was placed as a clerk in the east india house but like his successors james and john stuart mill he was an author as well as a clerk End of footnote. dear sir i have returned your play which you will find underscored with red where there was a word which i did not like footnote Cleonice, boswell nichols literary anecdote says that as Clarence was a failure on the stage, Mr. Hoole returned a considerable part of the money which he had received for the copyright, alleging that, as the piece was not successful on the stage, it could not be very profitable to the bookseller, and ought not to be a loss. End of footnote. The red will be washed off with a little water. The plot is so well framed the intricacy so artful and the disentanglement so easy the suspense so affecting and the passionate part so properly interposed that i have no doubt of its success i am so your most humble servant samuel johnson december the nineteenth seventeen seventy four end of section thirty nine